The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five! High Five! Casino! Casino! Win at High Five Casino! High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and P&G's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to It Could Happen Here, a podcast about a crumbling empire and planting seeds in the spaces between. Here's part two of our interview with Vicky Osterweil about the legacy of Occupy Wall Street. But, but you know, like you were saying, you know, like that, that, you know, don't get arrested, it's bad. So I think when Occupy really started, you know, we were mostly people who had been educated by the co-optation of the civil rights movement, which is that it was all nonviolent and that the whole thing was getting arrested and Martin Luther King was like the only voice that made any sense and that was what was effective, blah, 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 blah. Um, we had all learned that in school, right? We had all been trained that like nonviolence was like the only thing that made sense and that worked. Um, and I think like those of us who learned about it at all in school, which is certainly not everyone, um, yeah. but like I think like like the the experience of Occupy of like every day, just getting beat up by the cops every day, like getting attacked, getting arrested. Some people got really, some people got really nihilistically nonviolent. Like some people like really dug in and they're like, yeah, like, like, like we're like, no, like there is nothing we can do except be beaten. And it turned this like real masochistic game. Yeah. But that like, happens. You know, yeah. All, all sure the, that's, that still happens all the time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's, that's one, that's one common response. But another thing that happened was that people started breaking through that, that, that shit. People, mm-hmm. people started on the ground 
like I remember a march, you know, early on, you know, the police would attack and everyone would sort of like de- try to deescalate and people would try to like, you know, like, like talk to the cops or whatever. And like by November, when right before the camps got cleared, I remember being on a march where we stole all of their orange netting <laughs> that they were using and we were just holding it over our head as we marched and like trapping cops in it. So like even in New York where things never got that intense, um, like in some ways in terms of direct action, like that lesson on the ground, like you have to be, you have to be very ideologically committed to get hit with a baton three times and still think the police are on your side. You know, yeah. you have to like, yeah. re- you have to really be drinking the Kool-Aid and some people are like, some people really do want to believe that. But I think, um, I think that was one. So during Occupy, like those of us who hated the police were pretty lonely, um, <laughs> even though the police were beating us up. But by yeah. the end of Occupy, the seeds had really been sown for a lot of generational understanding of the police that didn't necessarily immediately sow fruit. Like it wasn't immediately obvious, but I think like, I think like folks who stayed in struggle from there grew more and more anti-police Yeah, that was um, in, that... in general. That, that was well okay so my my experience was less with Occupy and more with like the 2013 stuff in Turkey but it's like mm-hmm. that that was like because I I was brought up in that like the sort of like faux Gandhian like yeah MLK civil disobedience and then it was like like I watched Turkey happen and it was like hey here's my friend just like getting his ribs broken by a cop and then like there's Rabah and you know and Rabah is sort of where where the Egyptian movement dies and at Rabah they just you know they bring out the machine guns and they just shoot everyone. Yeah, and at a certain point, like you know, this is the limit of nonviolence, right? Is that what happens if they just shoot you? And and Gandhi, you know, if if you ever want to like go down the the Gandhi rabbit hole, like Gandhi like writes this letter to like like the Jews of Germany, where he's telling them to like throw themselves on the blades of the Nazis, and it's like this it's it this is this is like yeah is, it sucks this is, this is um, ridiculous like the, the, just this is just like you it's being complacent for abuse um anyone mm. studios has a really good video on why nonviolence helps the state um and how basically activists that try to force other you know demonstrators to adhere strictly to nonviolence yep. that's basically that's that's them in that's them basically saying that if like that that's them endorsing the police beating somebody up like like that like that's it's it's not actually tied to any kind of movement and it doesn't actually help like i i and we could actually see this last year with like the first few weeks of like you know abuse from the state actually making headlines and actually changing changing people but after a while it just didn't matter like yep. a, a a cop could pin someone down and pummel their face in like august and like who gives a shit nobody like it, it doesn't it doesn't matter you know like that's that's why I I I I found it funny when he talked about like, you know, people getting mad because cops were like macing people when they surrounded yeah. them, and I'm like, if that happened, no one no one would give a shit. Like, yeah, well, like, I, I think not not, not at all anymore. Yeah, totally. Well, I, I think I, I think part of it is is the first time that you see it, it's like what on earth? Yeah, like, like and this 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 I think has been one of the things that's been the core of the the, the whole sort of. 2019 like late 2018 2019 to like 2021 sort of cycle revolutions is that like if if you're just like a dude in a grocery store and some guy runs in is like running away from the cops and then like 15 riot cops in and just start beating the shit out of them which is a thing that happens like a lot like if you just see that right there's no way you can actually like like if you ordinary person just witness the cops running up and just beating the shit out of someone like 
there's no way you can't not be sort of radicalized against the police by it. But like, yeah, but there's there's a certain point where you hit it. The desensitization like, happens, yeah, more quickly than what it should. Yeah, um, and yeah, we I, we stop caring. I agree. I, th- I agree with both of you that like that like both it is shocking and radicalizing, and we get desensitized because there is so much spectacular pressure yeah. to n- naturalize the police. And nonviolence ideology is part of that. Is part of naturalizing police violence, right? Like, there's nothing you can do about police violence. Um, so all you can do is control yourself and therefore you should, you know, you should be better or whatever. Yeah. Gandhi had this whole fantasy about, um, the perfect army would march unarmed into machine gun fire. Yeah. Um, and would just be mowed down. It's, it's, he's a fascist, frankly. Um, yeah. and, and, and yeah, and uh, you, you only need to look at his opinions about, uh, black Africans when he was, when he yep. was in South Africa to see that. Or even, even if you, even if you just read like, like, even if you just read like self-reliance, it's like, this is. You know, yeah. there's one other thing I, I want to talk about with with the the peace police though, which is that like they're also like in in terms of like fighting like inflicting violence on other protesters, like they are the most violent like of 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 the factions you see in a protest. That does happen very well. Yeah. Like, I, maybe, maybe not the most. No, but no, like, they're, they're, like, they're, like that it, it, does yeah, happen. Yeah, like like they they beat people up. <laughs> like I mean, yeah, I was just gonna say like it ties into like protest security and when protest security is usually working with these more like peace police type organizers and then they use protest security to literally beat up people who are doing more radical action against the state um that happens all the time yes oh yeah protest security when i see protest security or marshals um i know exactly that that the that we're in a bad we're in a bad march yeah um the only time i've ever been physically assaulted by another protester was during occupy actually um during after the night after we've been evicted um which is like november 15th i think um, and if people don't remember, Obama and the FBI coordinated this nationally. All the Occupy encampments got swept within a week yep. of each other. Um, w- on that march, um, we're marching around. We've been marching around all night. Um, and I'm just dragging a trash can into the street because we're being followed by police cars. And I'm literally attempting to like do some education at the same time. I'm like pulling the trash can into the street and I'm yelling, you know, I am doing this because I want to protect us from police violence. Like if this is in the street, then the cop cars can't catch us as much. That's why we build barricades. I'm like literally trying to like yell this because like, you know, because it, pulling a trash can in the street is incredibly ineffective ultimately. So it was like literally, it was literally just like for education purposes at that point, basically anyway, especially since a lot of people would like pull them back out of the street, whatever. This guy runs up on me and grabs me by the collar and lifts me up and like, threatens me with his fucking fist and he says, if my mom can't get to work tomorrow because of you, like, I'll beat the shit out of you. And we're like, we're marching in Manhattan at like 1 a.m. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And like, he would have he would have hurt me like pretty bad if a friend of mine hadn't like luckily had my back and like de-escalated a bit. That's the only time I've ever been like physically like brought up like into a fight um, with by by another protester uh, was, was a guy insisting that me dragging a trash can into the street was beyond the pale. And, and uh, I think, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to just talk a bit more about like how systematic the violence was. Like, because so okay, so originally I, I was going to try to get someone from Occupy Oakland to come talk about this, and I talked to a lot of people, and the biggest thing that I got was that no one would talk about it on the record because they they got because Oakland had Oakland had a blacklist, and if if you were in Occupy and like anyone else found out about it, like people like people couldn't people spent half a decade just not being able to find jobs because they, they just like blacklisted everyone. And like to this day, yeah. like the thing I was told was like, yeah, I, I'm not, I, I won't talk about this because you know, 
Like if, if I talk about this, like I will be fired, all of my family, everyone around me will be fired. And there's like, I think like this is the everything, but when we talk about sort of the collapse of Occupy, the, the extent to which after Obama and the FBI ordered the camps closed, the, the policy is that the cops are going to torture anyone who attempts to like gather in a place. Yep. 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 For, for two years, you couldn't have a meeting outside without the police attacking basically. In yeah. Um, and, um, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was, you know, I think like a lot of, um, the people who now claim the, that Occupy is the reason that they do politics or whatever for Bernie Sanders or whatever. Um, at the time they were saying that the reason it collapsed is because there was no, um, organization, there was no structure, there was no political party, there was no, you know, whatever, there was no demands. And like, it's true that it was poorly organized. Like there's no <laughs> doubt. Um, but like we got beat out of the streets. Like we got beat out of the streets and like people tried for six months really intensely. And for another six months after that, less intensely to restart that energy. Um, there was all this works towards like a general strike on May day, um, 2012, which ended up not really working, which is actually exactly the kind of demand filled one day of action kind of politics that they were demanding. It actually really failed. Yeah. Um, which I think is telling, but, but in the meantime, like, you know, like, Occupy, like Zuccotti got cleared, but for a while there was the thing, no one remembers this, I don't think, but there was a thing up in um, uh, Union Square. Um, there was an occupation for three weeks. There was like all the Union Square freaks um, and like a bunch of occupiers. Um, and yeah, the cops just like, it was just like batons out on site for a few years in New York. Um, and I know it was like that everywhere else um, or most everywhere else. And that, that came down from on high that like the yeah. police were just like, Oh, what was dangerous about this was people gathering in public. Yep. So we really need to like, we really need to like enforce the second amendment being meaningless. Now we really need to stop meetings from happening in public. Um, and that violence was super intense and super real. And a lot of people got beaten out of the movement, you know, and a lot of people got really demoralized and left. And, and I understand why um, it was scary yeah. and awful. And there was a lot of repression and, um, you know, and it, and it, and it has continued to sort of that, that kind of repression has continued to escalate. Um, but what has successfully happened in our movements, I think to our, to our credit is that we haven't actually formed the kinds of, um, hierarchical organizations that allow for more effective police repression. All the police have right now against us for the most part is batons in the street. Um, they have a lot more trouble infiltrating, um, a lot more trouble, which doesn't mean they aren't trying like crazy, but they have a lot more trouble um, um, taking down the movements in the in a sort of cointel pro way, right? Um, the 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 modes of repression have changed a bit, um, but that's also because we don't have. It's a combination of the fact that we don't have those forms of organization, but we also don't have those forms of organization because they don't emerge spontaneously mm -hmm. from our living conditions like they used to. Um, so I think it's it's you can't just give credit to any one thing. There's a lot of different factors at play. High Five, High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. 
With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin. Not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride, glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! You're probably careful with your personal information. But what about the other places that have it? Like the doctor's office that mixed up your files. They have your social security number. The power company that mistakenly cut your service has your payment info and last three addresses. And the hotel that lost your reservation has your passport info. Your information is in endless places out of your control. Any one of them could accidentally expose you to hackers and identity theft through lax security, breaches, or simple mistakes. But LifeLock monitors millions of data points every second and alerts you to a wide range of threats. If your identity is stolen, a U.S.-based restoration specialist will fix it, guaranteed, or your money back. With plans covering up to $3 million for stolen funds and expenses. Mistakes happen. Don't let not having protection be one of them. Save up to 40% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 40%. Terms apply. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. I will say one of the other things that, that I've noticed, and I, th- I think I'm pretty sure this is happening. I've, read, I've talk, talked to people who talk about this with Occupy. Is that like the first thing if you have a group of people who are just there, the first thing the cops try to do is appoint a leader, so that they have one person mm-hmm. they can negotiate. And this, this and this lets them sort of this, this sort of like access point to which they sort of break like the demands of the crowd is that they they find one person they appoint in the leader and they get that person to sort of like be the liaison. My favorite Occupy joke. I got to give respect to Occupy Denver. This was the best joke that ever happened in Occupy. They announced at the beginning of one week on Friday, we are going to announce our leader. Occupy Denver has chosen a leader. And the whole <laughs> movement got so upset. Everyone was so angry. I was like, what the fuck? And then like, they had this like big press conference and their leader was a golden retriever. It was a basic prank role. Kudos to Occupy Denver, uh, whoever organized that prank. I love you. I guess. Yeah. So, Speaking of kudos to a place, the last thing I wanted to talk about was the giant like 
port occupation strike thing in Oakland. Yes. Because I mean that that wasn't the first time people had done it. Like I know I know during the anti-war movement, even even till like 2007, 2008, there's a bunch of people trying to occupy ports. But oh, in in Oakland, they like did it. They were, they, they put like 40,000 people like in this in in the port of Oakland and they shut it down. Yeah. And and I think that was like that was one of the thing one of the stories kind of been lost from this because mm-hmm. like you know, like that was the point. Like, so, like, I know people in Oakland who, like, they got like drugged repeatedly, drugged by police informants because, particularly Oakland, because also Oakland's also way the Occupy Oakland movement is way, way less white than any other movements, mm-hmm. and they get like the, the the kind of police repression they get is like just like yeah, you know, again, like people people being repeatedly drugged by informants, like cops shooting people in the face. Like the the you know, you have you have the blacklist you have all this stuff and and I think you know part so of it is battles yeah yeah, yeah. And, and I think part of it is because part of it's because it's a bunch of non white people and that's you know that's just what happens and but I think another part of it was also that there was this fear about yeah so so, so the reason the port strike is able to happen is because there's sort of there's a complicated game here where the occupy people like sort of got involved in in like longshoreman union politics but that sort of like fusion of of you have all the people in the street and then they start shutting down ports and that like like the the cops like lose their minds over that like that that Mm -hmm. i think was like extremely scary to them Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I would, you know, I, I would defer to anyone from Oakland who was who was there during that. You know, I have comrades there. I've talked to you. I've read about it since. But, you know, I think I think part of the heightened police repression and the heightened power of the Oakland Occupy Oakland folks was the Oscar Grant Rebellion, like I mentioned yep. in two thousand nine, which had happened, which had, you know, it had been a few hundred people, but it had been really rowdy. There'd been like looting and smashing, um, maybe maybe more than a few hundred, maybe near a thousand people on the big on the first night. Um, and you also obviously have the legacy of the Black Panthers in Oakland. So, you know, the Black Panther Party, you know, forms in Oakland. It lasts in Oakland a decade and a half longer than it does anywhere else in the country. Um, so there's a lot of like, and you also have the really, really intense gentrification of the Bay that's happening. Yeah. So there's an incredible political and economic pressure in the Bay combined with this history of radicalism that really, you know, in, um, but yeah, I think also the other thing that's really interesting, I think what you said, like you you put your, you know, you hit the nail on the head, like it was largely like it was terrifying that it was the most effective direct action in the Occupy movement, I think, was that port shut down, I think without a doubt, like the biggest mass direct action that, that Occupy achieved. Um, what was that November 12th? Was that was that was the date of that? I, I don't think? remember. It was 2011, near the yeah, end of the yeah. near the end of the cycle. Um, and I think like the other thing about um about that though is that that was very similar to the alter globalization movement right mm-hmm. where the unions had sort of teamed up with you know like in Seattle there's a lot of trade unions on the ground next to all the black blocks right um and i think like that that image um i think really it's really interesting it really terrified the police and it really it could be it could have been a vector for a certain kind of like labor first politics that could have emerged, but instead, like the labor first people have turned out to be all electoralists. Yeah, um, and it seems that that's sort of a weird blip that hasn't really returned. Um, yeah, and it's I interesting think, too because like because now, like you know, like the like the the, the, the AFL CIO just like you know AFL CIO is like no cop unions great, and it's like there's this there's this sort of like split yeah. between the street movements and organized labor because they're off doing like electoral stuff and like cop shit which is this sort of 
Yeah, and and and, yeah. and have been now for for seven decades. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, really, like <laughs> like the 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 buying off of the unions and the New Deal. Yeah. Um, you know, with some brief, you know, with brief windows of like wildcat action in the seventies and the nineties. Um, the buying off of the unions has has never really gone away. Industrial unionism in the U.S. has has long been, and in and in Europe, everywhere where everywhere where those developed in the early twentieth century, that labor movement, um, they've really been successfully bought off. And I don't think. There is, uh, I don't think that those unions are like a big, easy route to power anymore. Than the yeah, I don't, I don't like, yeah, but, I don't think they're going to overthrow the government. I mean, I, I will say, yeah, this is, this is my, my also my, the, the thing that I plug every time is that the AFL-CIO overthrew Allende. Like, yep. yeah, like, like they, they, their, their people on the ground were like directing like, like we're, we're, we're directing a bunch of the anti Allende stuff. And it's like, and it was the, and it was the union bureaucracies like more recently in 2001 who, um, or in the wake of, of September 11th, who transformed the anti-globalization rhetoric into buy American, right? yeah. which, which it turned out was often buying prison made materials. Yeah. Um, but like that was, that was the union, the union sort of, um, defanged the defanged alter globalization into buy yeah. American. Yeah. And there's, there's, I think like there's a whole nother story there about how that, like how anti-globalization turned from like, you know the Zapatistas to like Trump, yeah, which is incredibly depressing, and yeah, go, goes goes through this line of sort of like the replacement of internationalism with nationalism and that kind of like by local stuff, and the fact that like these people sort of just decided that that you know partially after Seattle, partially after nine eleven, they're just like we're not doing direct action again. And and Oakland's like Oakland's like Occupy like, Oakland's like that that's like that's like the one big exception to that was that moment, and then it just kind of just has never happened again. And that's partially because that that union, the ILW is ILWU, I think out there yeah. is on the on the yeah. boards. That was a particularly like radical union that had had yep. some Wildcats, like and and was like like more democratic than many of the many of the other unions in 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 those those shapes but uh yeah but that's a, that's also like a big story for another time obviously yeah. <laughs> um the co- the co-optation of global anti-globalization over the 20 year period <laughs> yeah <laughs> High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex. Transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride. Raising funds and support for the LGBTQ community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin. Not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride, glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! This is it. Your moment. 
This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know, this is kind of corny, but like, what, what can we actually learn from what happened there, what went wrong, and sort of what the limits of it was? Yeah, okay, so the, the legacy. So I think one legacy that, um, the legacy that is most widely accepted and known, which we can go over quickly, is that it reintroduced class discourse largely into the popular, you know, the 99%, which is a very, very bad class politics. But like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, um, like the, you know, it reintroduced some of that sort of class war, class war discourse. And, um, and I think more important than that, but, but not that dissimilar, it, um, reintroduced, um, street politics into the U S. Um, I think a, a part of the legacy that gets forgotten, um, because like the general, the, the globalness of the wave gets forgotten as well. Like, is that when, when shit pops off in New York, everyone in the world knows or yep. at least they did then, right? Because America had been so successfully, you know, um, appeased politically for so long that I think that when Occupy popped off um, in 2017, like in 2011, rather, it really like signaled to the world, like the rest of the world, like, oh, like this is real. Like even in the, you know, even in the center of empire, like, like people are rising up. Um, it's hard to remember and it's weird, but like there was an Occupy in uh, New York, in a UK. Yeah. There was one in Tel Aviv. There was actually kind of like a pro-Palestinian Occupy in Tel Aviv briefly. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think maybe the most powerful sort of immediate tactical um, offshoot of Occupy was Occupy Nigeria um, in the first weeks of 2013 um, when uh, President Goodluck Jonathan um, took, took the uh, fuel subsidies away. And there were like sort of two weeks of really intense revolutionary rioting um, in, in Nigeria that, that then called themselves Occupy as a way of being legible to the rest of the world. Um, I think 
the other legacies though that are that are a little more sort of subtle i guess is like that a lot of folks still in the struggle now like i will still meet people you know my age who like i've met i have two comrades here in philly who i didn't know at the time but who were organizing in new york right like we probably hung out in rooms together like we probably like we were probably in the same spaces but like so like a lot of folks you know it each of these waves that has come has left you know some people leave some people swing right but like there's a residue of folks that like becomes the base for the next movement. And I think like Occupy really did provide a lot of people in a way that the gap between alter globalization and Occupy didn't produce nearly as large a contingent of people. Although of course there are those people. Um, But I think also like really importantly, like the tactics of Occupy, like one of the things that was incredible about the George Floyd uprising was that every tactic that we um, have tried in the last 10 years reemerged, right? There was a prison strike. There were uh, indigenous blockades. There were Me Too style callouts, um, which of course developed out of um, punk and queer scene callouts that had been going on for a decade. But there were occupations, right? You had the Chaz in Seattle, which we can, you know, yeah. Situation, but we'll, 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 we're yeah, we will get to that but, but one day. <laughs> in any case, in any case, like I think, like that, that has remained in the repertoire of proletarian struggle like as a result of of Occupy. And 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 if it had just been Occupy, maybe it wouldn't, but as a result of the global movement of the squares, which obviously goes until Tahrir Square in 2013-2014 in Turkey, I think is probably the... the, the uh, excuse me, Gezi Park in uh, Turkey, um, which is like the last big moment of the squares, really. Um, but that five-year wave, like it was really, really important um, globally, really, really important uh, locally as well um, in terms of building activists, building a class of... of well, I don't... You know, whatever. Building revolutionaries, whatever you want to call them, the good version of the thing, not the bad version. It <laughs> produced a lot of them. Um, and, um, and I think like in terms of its limits and like what we can learn from it, like, I think, I think taking the police more seriously was really important. I think taking police violence more seriously was a really important legacy of Occupy. I think, um, I think pushing towards the limit of what total democracy meant a lot of people in occupy remember that like a lot of ron paul people and like weirdo like and the fed cranks and like right wingers like spoke in occupy and like a that 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 total open populism of of occupy i think was both probably its greatest strength and its ultimate limit right which was that like it was never going to be able to really like sharpen itself into the into the knife it needed, it wanted to be to like really change the face of of global capital or whatever um because of because there were so many white yeah middle class yeah and like involved. A, like a, a bunch of the uh like a lot of the like the the current far-right media people came out of like Sandra fairbanks was like an occupy streamer tim I, pool yeah you're welcome for tim pool um tim <laughs> pool was filming on the last day a bunch of us um doing some things and tim pool did not manage to continue filming is all i'll say <laughs> and um, after that is when he started swinging right so you're welcome <laughs> Um, anyway, <laughs> sorry, that guy's a fucking asshole. He yeah. was an asshole then though. I think what's important to know is that a lot of these people were sus as hell back then to Occupy folks. Like they were around in Occupy because of the nature of Occupy. Like, but like they were, we already didn't like them. You know, like a lot of these people were already unpopular, were already disliked in the movement. Um, so yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, so I think, you know, there is there there are all these different legacies um from it that I think um ultimately the legacy things that emerged are much more important than Occupy. Um I think you know one of the things about it was that it really was just like the reemergence of street politics. And like 
like as the reemergence of street politics, like it was pretty limited and it was not that effective at changing things. Um, and also it was incredibly effective at leading to the last decade of struggle in the U.S. And I think you can't, you know, I think there's a tendency to want to judge movements by the immediate results that they um, produce, you know? Um, and like, you know, I think, was it, is, is this, am I about to quote Mao? I think I am. Was it like <laughs> when, when he gets asked, you know, what was the, what was the, you know, in, in the 20th anniversary of the Chinese revolution, he gets asked like, what was the, what was the, the outcome of the Chinese revolution? He says it's too early to tell. Right. Like, I think like that, maybe that's, John, I don't remember who that is. Honestly. Yeah. I don't know, but um, they but were right. <laughs> like, yeah, they were right. <laughs> they but were like, right. A like, lot more people died than what we thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, they, they, exactly. they successfully transitioned to capitalism and they transitioned to capitalism. They, they yeah. 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 It was. Yeah. So, um, so what was the result of Occupy? It's too early to tell. Um, but I think like, I also think like the things that we've talked about here um, were, were core components of, of what, it, what, why it mattered. I, I do think one other kind of effect that it's had, and it's hard for me to gauge this because I've only been around post Occupy, but sure. I feel like now when people try to get stuff started, they really fall kind of into an Occupy mindset where they're like, the only way to make this successful is to hold this space. And I think that is really a default way that even more experienced, like both experienced organizers and new organizers really kind of just, I keep using the word default, it's because like, that's just, that's just really like what they go into. You saw this in a lot of different cities last year, where they like people trying to set up spaces to hold. Um, A lot of them did not work. (laughs) You know, a lot of them, a lot of them were like, Oh yeah, we're trying to trying to hold the space for like an hour because then the cops pushed us out, right? And, and you know, in a place like the Chaz, it got extended out a bit longer. The Chaz had its own problems. Um, in other cities in the Pacific Northwest, this happened. A city happened in Atlanta in the, too. It happened in Atlanta. It, ha- it happened in a lot of places. I mean, like I think George Floyd Square is maybe one of the more honestly successful ones um, for how they were able to able to actually kind of keep police away and. They did. They avoided turning it into this big media thing, like like with the Chaz did. Um, and I don't know. Like I think I I grew very. I I I saw a lot of people kind of grow kind of frustrated with this like kind of occupy mentality because what that kind of results in is people just setting up outside of a police headquarters and trying to stay yeah. there for as long as possible, which is like that's not doing anything. You're just kind of waiting to get beat up. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's complicated though, right? Like in defense of that tactic, <laughs> like I think like like that was also very co- that was also very core to Ferguson, right? They held West Florissant for a week and a half. Now they did it much. They didn't do it by setting up tents and sitting there. Um, and also like you know like like a thing that gets forgotten a lot in the la- in the history is you know Occupy ICE. It was pretty small. It was big yeah. here in Philly. Yeah, um, it was it was there, massive here in Portland. Yeah, yeah. So so like there were moments when that tactic really does like it's important to have a space to meet in. And I think we did learn that, but I also agree that it has become like any tactic that works once it becomes a fetish. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's yeah. always trying to balance space. It's like, you know, the, the, the two big things that have happened the past 10 years is occupying Hong Kong. So people try to balance these two kind of almost opposing things like hold this space and be water. That's kind of the two things that people yell in the street back and forth. And no one really knows what to do. Cause we're just yelling slogans. And yeah, it's, and, 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 and I will say, I will say the other thing about this. So, so they're like the one time the people in Hong Kong got pinned down when when they had to, when they had to, this, this whole university siege. It was a shit show. Like, right. and you know, and I would say like the, the the people in Hong Kong, like you know, okay, like even when they were like they they did not have by 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 the time you're getting to the 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 sort of the siege of the universities, like 
that like you know like they had like molot they had like like Molotov workshops like there were people like standing on the roof shooting bows and arrows at cops and it like it just wasn't enough and I mean and par- partially partially it has to do with the fact that like you know H- Hong Kong is in a uniquely bad position insofar as it is one city and it's like the 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 only possible way that a, a, a social movement in Hong Kong like ever just doesn't get crushed by just the fact that they're outnumbered like a thousand to one is if it spreads but like yeah it, it became this you know like that that moment like yeah the, the this that that the whole problem with with trying to hold space becomes really apparent there because even if you have an extremely large number of people right like like at- attacking one isolated space in mass is the thing the cops are really good at and the thing they're really bad yeah. at is trying to deal with like you know, like 500 people, like 700 instances of 500 people going through places because there just aren't enough of them. But yeah, yeah. that was, was what was it? Like the the head of who was it? It was a big, yeah, a a big muck muck in the, in the national police, in the national police, uh, you know, whatever um, said that, like, we can very easily handle one march of 10,000 people, but we can't handle 10 marches of 1,000 yeah. people. Right? It was, and you, you got to see this in Chicago, too. Like, this is, this is, this is how the police lost control of, of, of the Miracle Mile. It's like, yeah, it was just, there's people everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, and that's and that's how that's that's what you know. I mean, certainly in Philly, where it was where it was very very powerful, that's what the George Floyd Rebellion looked like. Was was mm-hmm. people were everywhere in Philly, all the neighborhoods. You know, people didn't. You know, like we were out there. You know, whatever. Um, and like there, like people didn't know what was going on three blocks south. You know what I mean? Like it was like it yeah. was like that. Like there was just there were fights happening everywhere. And under those conditions, the police can't can't. No matter how militarized they are, they can't act. Yeah. Um, effectively anyway they can act they 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 certainly will um they will act like pigs um but uh but i think like yeah so i think that 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 sort of dispersion but i think the other there's this so there's i'm gonna promote a really really weirdo crank book right now but there's this guy, <laughs> sure this, go for this, it this 20th, this 20th century like literary weirdo this guy uh ilias canetti um italian oh guy, oh this, boy <laughs> Wrote this book called Crowds and Power, where yeah. he attempts to he attempts to describe the entirety of human history and anthropology in terms of crowds. This is obviously impossible and ridiculous, but that book has the best descriptions of crowd dynamics I have ever encountered anywhere. Interesting. Um, and I like I like people who take big swings because they end up they miss. Yeah, like, yeah. Miss has lots of interesting <laughs> stuff. Um, I think that's why people liked Settlers by Jay Sakai so much. Like I think the thesis wasn't great, but there's so much incredible stuff in that book that like it works anyway. Um, that having a really wild thesis allows you to like really like get into some interesting yeah. stuff. So anyway, one of the things that Kennedy talks about in that book is that. Um, a crowd, uh, uh, an open crowd, as he describes it, an open crowd is um, must constantly be growing, and the moment it stops growing, it starts shrinking. Right? Yeah. And, like this, I, th- I think that dynamic, um, in terms of both movement and like a, a momentary protest or riot, right, is like really real. I can, I, I can think, totally see that. Yeah. And I think one of the things that um, particularly organizers are trained to do, and like that 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 we learn to do, especially in lull periods, when we're like organizing these little, you know, you know, these little crystallized groups of like hard cadre or whatever, is that like you, that like what we learn as organized is something that is defendable. But once you start defending something, you start losing it because we cannot take on the state or the police in a head on confrontation. Um, And this is, this can be confusing because sometimes you can successfully defend for a few weeks, maybe even a few Mm -hmm. months, you can defend a space sometimes, but once people get really interested in the defending then they begin forming bureaucracies, governments, internal policing, security forces, whatever it is, 
they start becoming the like the the they start undermining the very thing that made it powerful, which was this sudden rapid growth, this sudden like you know like like big explosion of power and self recognition that um, comes in the beginning of movement. And I think I don't think there's a way to will that problem away. Like I don't think we can just like think our way out of it. Like it's just a problem. But I do think that like one thing that we could take from the experience of Occupy and the experience of the last decade is that like if you do, you know, consider yourself someone who wants to participate in these kind of movements, which is probably why you're listening to this podcast um, right now, um, don't try and defend. Like don't try and defend. Like some things will need to be defended sometimes, obviously. But like if your main thing is like the thing, we should never defend something we've achieved so far um, we should never not be willing to destroy it in order to like build something bigger, right? Like we should never, no movement thing that we have, be it an Occupy Park, be it an, be it a, like a taken space, defending that should never outweigh the possibility of expanding. And if that's our strategic mindset, obviously moment to moment, you can't just be thinking that constantly. Yeah. But if the strategic mindset is like what we have now is is only good to the extent that it can turn into something more, um, rather than we have to defend what we have now, if you can think that way, I think it opens up a lot of strategic possibilities. Um, and I think it, it's what has worked, um, over the last decade that, that I've seen is, um, when people attack, when people expand, when people try to do, try to do new stuff, it doesn't always work and it doesn't always hold, but that's, but when that stuff stops happening, the movement is doomed. I think, I think that, I think that's a really good way to wrap things up. I think that's a nice, uh, beautiful sentiment. I kind of view this type of thing in more than just protests and, you know, in, in very different facets of life. I think you can always learn from past experiences, from past struggles, but if you try to perfectly replicate them, you're absolutely going to fail. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You can, should always learn and move on, but you should not be focused on any kind of replication. Is, is there any of uh, your books or writings you'd, you'd want to plug before we wrap up here? Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wrote a book uh, that came out last year um, called In Defense of Looting, um, came out in 2020 um, with bold type. Um, I am currently also writing. Um, I, I'm obsessed with movies. I write a movie review um, column for the Al Jazeera Plus. Um, I, d- uh, I did not know newsletters. that. Yeah. The newsletter Substack. stack. Um, if you want to read. I mean, it's really it is really movie reviews. So if you want, you know, cranky anarchist theory, it's not the spot for you. Um Otherwise, yeah, I'm I'm on a pretty long social media break right now, but Good you can for find you. me on there eventually. Um, I'll <laughs> probably come back inevitably. Um, Unfortunately, and yeah, just yeah. Um, you know, I just have I I have writing popping up every every now and then, and and um, and if you read it, I would appreciate it. Well, <laughs> is that helpful? Yeah, absolutely, wonderful. Thank you, uh, and yeah, thank you for so much for coming on to talk about um, Occupy and stuff that. I think a lot of people hear about, but I know at least a lot of my generation does not fully kind of grasp it. Um, it is it is literally my pleasure. Like I, you know, I wasted so much of my life thinking about this. I'm so glad to be able to share <laughs> some of it with some people. <laughs> I'm so glad, so glad you're able to join us too. This is I've, I've been looking forward to this for a while. So, yeah, it's very excited. All right, that wraps up uh, us today. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at CoolZoneMedia and Happen Here Pod. We'll be back in uh, for a few more episodes this week. Adios. 
Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. I'm going out with the girls this weekend. Nails, done. Outfit, stunner. And my skin? I know it's going to be glowing because I glammed up my shower routine with new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash. It smells so luxurious and deeply moisturizes with its super rich, creamy lather that's bursting with vitamin B3 complex. So my skin glows and my confidence grows. Try new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash for glowing skin in just 14 days. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now.